Audacious Compassion, Episode 13, Dull Food Piece. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes, you're a dark night, and I'm the day, we're a wreck and that's all. Hello, and welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be looking back on the first year of Audacious Compassion and talking about some common themes we've seen in our discussions. We'll be taking questions again next month, so if you have a problem being compassionate in an everyday situation, write us at averyweir.net. So, how are you doing today, Melissa? generally doing pretty good so I went to the doctor today um, sort of getting a checkup on a situation that will probably result in surgery later this year Ugh. yep uh, and it, you know, it was an interesting process first you go in you get scanned and that took almost an entire half an hour and then you wait for 20 minutes and then see the actual doctor and it was interesting. I went in with a list of questions because I had kind of an idea of what procedure I wanted or will want. It was, there's still just, I don't know, there's just kind of some baffling things about the whole process where um, I was hoping I could have the procedure done in a way that would only take, require me to take a couple weeks off from work. But it turns out I might be facing six. And I was like, what, like six weeks off from work? Like I work at a desk. Like, mm-hmm. can I like work from home? And it, I'm not sure it registered with the doctor that, like, no, really, I just sit at a desk and type all day. And walk to meetings and... Well, I Skype to meetings. You know, I call in to these things. Um, or can call in to these things. And so we, we kind of went around and around a little bit. And then I asked, uh, you know, like, so if I'm not working, what am I doing for six weeks? Like, I can't fathom... Yeah, like, if, if you can't sit and type yeah because regardless of whether it's future-proof games or my day job my job is sitting and typing and thinking hard yeah um that leaves tv and listening to things like yeah video games are about as strenuous as as coding some days yeah so that was weird and it was i don't know there's always kind of a, a bit of a disconnect where you know the doctors are very patient with my you know like they have all these signs up all the time. It's like, don't use cell phones in the office. Don't have cell phones in the office. So I always feel bad, like, being like, I have a list of questions, and then busting out my phone. And like, where else am I supposed to keep the yeah, questions? Sure. Yeah, um, you don't use paper anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, Doc was, was really patient, answered a bunch of questions, gave, um, I'd, I'd done a ton of research, um, just because that's me being a dork. But there's still kind of a, a, a disconnect between you know my everyday life thinking of how do I arrange this how do I take time off from work how do I coordinate everything with a doctor being like yep six weeks <laughs> yeah it's um, a major disruption yeah um, but uh, I'll probably have it done still thinking about it making my pros and cons lists and figuring out my needs and all that stuff yeah but it's uh kind of looking forward to it despite the fact that it's major surgery just getting the problem taken care of forever forever (laughs) yeah 
how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, yesterday was the eclipse. Yay! And it was very cool. It was so cool. I, uh, I was here. I work from home. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to just kind of wander out into my parking lot of my apartment complex and yeah. see it. And there were other people here, too, <laughs> wandering out. And I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't no. know any of my neighbors. That's a, I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. So it was, you know, people I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was lucky enough to have a pair of eclipse glasses that from, I had from some old convention or something. Was it say elementary school? No, no. It was. <laughs> we were at some geek convention that was when there was a transit of Mercury or something like that, ah. and so they were passing out glasses, and so I kept mine. Uh, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so there were just a bunch of people that I was like, hey, you want to look through the glasses? And a bunch of people had camera obscura projectors yep. made out of cereal boxes and, and stuff like that. And I, you know, lent glasses to one of the people that works in the apartment leasing office oh, and nice. got to see the shadow patterns that the leaves left on the ground and mm-hmm. got to see near totality. We were 97% obscured. Here. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and it was sunny. Yes. Like, no clouds. There were clouds about an hour or 45 minutes before the eclipse, because I, I, like, took the afternoon off, apparently, so uh, several of us went to watch it. And, yeah, there was a time when we were very worried that it was going to hmm. stay cloudy. But, yeah, that was neat, and I don't know. I, I don't talk to strangers much. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of insular, but it was fine. Like, yeah, people are, people are okay. There's no one that I felt the need to ever talk to again. <laughs> That'd be fine if they did. Uh, so yeah, that was that was interesting, and it was interesting to have this very broadly shared thing. Yeah, like the whole country. I did hear it call, get called like the eclipse of the americas or something very america in the name on the news and I yeah was like, it was I it was, was like, eh. pretty much u.s only right well i mean you could see partial eclipse sure yes canada but, and, and mexico but as but, far as yeah i guess southwestern corner of canada got pretty close to totality yeah that's about it i don't know if it went far enough south to hit any islands in the caribbean i don't either but but yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Universality and very quick. Like mm-hmm. the the path of totality went across the country very quickly. Yep. So that was nifty. But yeah, it's this is our thirteenth episode. That's weird. Yeah. We've we've done twelve full episodes with, with questions and stuff, and I thought that it could be cool to kind of chat about stuff that's come up and common themes that we've seen in in our discussions uh one of those i guess is what we're having now which is (laughs) that the concept of a meta conversation where like sometimes we have a problem an argument between Mm -hmm. people or something like that where what you need to do is take a step back and like talk about how you're talking about the thing right and take a step back doesn't mean like 
cool down or it's nothing right. to do with temper or emotions. It means that you're talking about the wrong thing. Yeah, it's zoom out yes. from that one. If you know, if you're if you're having an argument about whether someone washed a specific cup, <laughs> you're probably not actually talking about that because that would be easy to resolve. Right. Uh, but it's it's about hey, do we have a problem with how we keep our house or mm-hmm. Do I feel respected, or do I feel as if we're having equal contribution to a relationship, or something like that? Right. Yep. And this happens. This happens a lot. I mean, you see it in the workplace. You see it all sorts of places where people will get they'll dig in these trenches mm-hmm. about a particular thing, like, and start talking about other people's motives and other people's emotions like oh they're doing it because they want power or because they don't like me or they don't respect me anymore or whatever and yeah it's probably not actually about how they name the pdf it's probably about that thing that they keep diagnosing exactly uh the perception of each other or how they communicate with each other and so yeah those meta conversations you can you if you if you approach those the way you would approach communicating about a tough situation in general so whether that's nonviolent communication style or or some other sort of methodology you can come away with the ability to just make a clean request like i'll do dishes monday wednesday friday you do them tuesday thursday saturday and we will feel equitable in our distribution of housework yeah or even hey i don't want to live with you anymore this is, yes. Or I don't think we're living, you know, these problems are bad enough that I'm tempted not to if this and this and this don't change. Right. Yep. Like, it may be that there is a big situation mm-hmm. that is being danced around and that the little conversation is kind of a proxy for that. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, that's, that we shouldn't, yeah, shouldn't assume that it's going to be something simple or something little. We feel like we don't want to bring out those big things because mm-hmm. it's rude or disruptive or something, and so we talk about the details instead. Right. It's incredibly disruptive. Um, because let's say, I mean, let's say you've got a situation where you don't want to live with the other person, right? You've got ten things in a list that make you upset in some fashion And any one of day. them might be... Right. Might feel tiny. Right. It might be you start sentences with, well, actually, <laughs> or that you leave your socks on the floor or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Like, they could just be minor things. They could be major things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that it's just little things that pile up. But when you look at that list, you go, oh, well, I can bear with this for a little longer. Mm-hmm. Or if I make this list seven instead of ten, then I'll be able to live with it. Um, when in fact... The answer might be no. Like, yeah. you can talk about what what's going on with all ten, and it might be that the situation is time to move out or end the friendship or something like that. Along the lines of thinking about sort of degrees of disruption and how much trouble you want to cause, something that's come up in at least two or three of our episodes so far has been questions around courtesy and kindness and power dynamics there, mm-hmm. um, where we, we've mentioned a couple times that we think that courtesy or politeness, particularly politeness, I mm-hmm. think, is, is, a, is a word for that. Um, politeness is about maintaining status quo in terms of power. Yeah. 
Which is fine. Which can be fine if that's something you're choosing to do. Yeah. Well, it's more often fine when it's something you're choosing to do. Yeah, and it's it's if your situation is one that's relatively equitable, then being polite and maintaining that circumstance is, is okay. Right. But right. what what where it becomes a problem is where you've got this unstable power dynamic. Like, say you've got someone who's a boss at work, mm-hmm. and they keep messing up. And you also mess up. Everyone makes mistakes at work. Right. But when you make a mistake, the boss is very rude to you, mm-hmm. but is considered like stern or right. or direct. But if you were the if you acted the same way towards your boss, then people would say, "Oh, well, you're being really rude." Like mm-hmm. that power dynamic establishes who should be polite to whom and how. Right. Courtesy can often suppress attempts to change things, attempt to improve things. Yep. If it's, you know, if there's a sense that you should just go along with things to keep things moving, or um, maybe it's your job on the line, maybe it's your relationship Mm -hmm. on the line, or your friendship. Like, you have this particular way that things work, and they work... Some people might think it works well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to challenge that without, while being polite. And that's, I think, the twist is you can be kind while doing things that disrupt, that might be perceived as rude because they do disrupt the power. Yeah, as long as you're not hurting someone, you can hurt someone's sensibilities, and I'm not too concerned about that. I'm not concerned about someone going, that was was so direct, I don't know if I can handle that, as long as they're not actually feeling as if they were hurt. Right. And sometimes if they're feeling they were hurt, that might be worth it. This is all a tactical decision, right? This right. is all, can I afford to be direct in the situation? Right. And am I willing to cause whatever disruption or hurt happens? Mm-hmm. And does that match my value system? Right. Yep. I think there's a difference between making that tactical decision and saying, yes, I, I am willing to kind of to to inflict this to achieve change and seeking to be cruel yeah like, yeah so i'm thinking about you know there are, there are people who will say if you're rude to me mm-hmm. i am justified in being cruel to you in return yeah i think that's nonsense right or i certainly think it's not a good way to live um, yeah, it's not in line with my it, ethical system. It's, it's not, yeah, it doesn't get you anything other than maybe some satisfaction. Right. Um, I don't, game theory concepts like tit for tat don't actually apply with humans. or Not particularly well. Yeah. That's where I think things get interesting and complicated. So if you want to cause change, if you're willing to risk not being courteous, Mm-hmm. And you're willing to risk or take the consequences of maybe hurting someone. When is that cruelty and when is that you doing what needs to be done? Yeah. To, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a case that can be case by case. That's a um, thing you have to think about kind of constantly. Like right. if, the, if you are really sure that this that this disruption is necessary and aren't sparing a moment to think about whether it's cruel and who it could hurt, 
maybe you should be thinking like that might right. be the sign that you need to to sit down and and think about the situation exactly um and to give that a concrete example like so let's let's take the should i move out idea right, right. so if you are partnered or close with your roommate or whatever the situation is, if you are kind of in a committed cohabitation situation and you decide, I need to move out, this is not cool, this mm-hmm. list of 10 is overflowing, 10 issues is overflowing, someone's probably going to be hurt or angry yeah. or feel I mean, it's betrayed. rough to lose a roommate. It's rough to lose a roommate. It's more complicated if there are romantic feelings there. It's also more complicated if those romantic feelings are breaking at the the same yeah. time that, you know, if there's actually a breakup happening. And so you're going to inflict pain and you can choose to do so. And that can be fine. But there is, and some of that calculus is what keeps people in unpleasant situations of being afraid of causing pain. But courtesy in this case, keeping that status quo might be being cruel to yourself. Yeah. That kind of internal conversation and and looking at what you need versus the situation around you, that's another theme that, that's come up often in, mm-hmm. in our talks. Like, often we realize that we have a problem but don't really know why. Yeah. And so it's really hard to make those important decisions mm-hmm. when you're saying, well, here's the situation. I don't know whether I should... Raise it or not. I don't know how much it's worth doing it. You know, you're upset. (laughs) And maybe even with just the vague word upset. And you know that it offends something. Maybe a sense of justice. Maybe a sense of peace. Something is disrupted, but you're not sure what. Yeah. And it's important to to look at what that is that you're actually feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, are you angry at a person are you angry at a situation? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you mm-hmm. like what what actually is going on inside you and why? Right. Like what is it that you want instead? Because often we go, here's a situation I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the time to figure out what that problem is. Right. I'm just going to do something to try and change the situation. And that might be the wrong thing. Right. Because you haven't thought through... Not only, like, you you know, you have this image in mind of what, what the correct situation is, but not necessarily the consequences of that. Like, yeah. you don't always solve a problem. Sometimes you just shuffle constraints. Yeah, just just changing a bad situation. You don't know that you're going to change it in the right direction. Exactly. So are you willing to live with the other things that are going to become bad now that you've fixed half of it, right? Yeah. Um, and that's hard. And then it's also really hard for people to dig past the the stories we tell ourselves about why. So it's like, why are you upset about this thing? Because so-and-so is being racist. And because I'm against racism. Yeah. Like, that's a story. Like, that's a yeah. that's not a need that's not that's not deep right like that's like a that's a label we wear on ourselves and it's very high level if you're talking about a specific person that right. you're interacting with yep like rarely rarely do you change your behavior with an individual based on some broad society issue right like usually it's like they disgusted me or mm-hmm. I found them contem- well, I found what they said contemptuous right that's that's getting closer to the issue exactly whenever i find myself thinking about labels like that like self labels Mm -hmm. i identify myself as a 
I don't know, a feminist, right? It's super cliche, but mm-hmm. I identify myself as a feminist. And so when people say things, I get angry at them. Like, that's so, that's so superficial. Like, I know what I mean, so yeah. I shorthand it, but do I always, am yeah. I always in touch with what I mean? Those labels and those thoughts systems can be useful for forming your values and kind of giving yourself a rubric for evaluating an individual situation right but you don't want to short circuit from situation to identity or policy or politics like yep there's an intermediate step there where you go what's what are the trade-offs right because you never like this life doesn't work that way you don't get to to just say i want xyz and i'm going to have that all the time right no nuance like all of these things, you get to decide the shades of gray in a particular situation and with a particular person. Mm-hmm. Like how often do we have friends that we're cool with on so many levels of something, but sometimes they say something. You just don't bring that one topic and you up. you just don't bring that one topic up, right? And this lo- that's life. <laughs> that's life. Uh, like there are a lot of ways that I wish our society was better, but mm-hmm. even like... In the ideal society that I could craft if I could just mm-hmm. paint the world, there would still be that sort of, of interpersonal course. problem. Yep. There would still be things where people would get on your nerves because you can't... The only alternative is some sort of weird mind control or hive mind situation. Right. Yep. Um, and so it to make those trade-offs smartly without making like brash decisions or or being stuck in sort of analysis paralysis you need to know yourself you need to know why are you upset about something it's why are you always upset about this thing Mm -hmm. like you know why does this other thing not bother you how do you accept these trade-offs and and what's bringing you to this place yeah so those are those are sort of the the major touchstones we've we've hit on Again and again, I uh, yeah, think, yeah. in the last year. We certainly recommend you listen to the episodes, if you haven't, yeah, sure. uh, for the particulars and to discover why we titled each one. <laughs> yeah, going back to the episodes, <laughs> looking at the titles, it's... There's some doozies in there. Babyface time is probably yes. my favorite. <laughs> so, what have you been inspired by lately? Lately, I have been watching another anime. Uh, well, several different anime. Uh, this one is Restaurant to Another World. Sounds good. It is the... It's one of those anime in which nothing happens. Like Mushishi? Uh, a little less a little less dull mood piece and a little more dull... I like how you admit it's... Food piece. <laughs> So Restaurant to Another World is a, a show where there is a restaurant in Japan, a Western restaurant, restaurant, which means they serve Western-inspired dishes. So like omelet rice and hamburger steak and J- Japanese versions of Western dishes. Seems tasty. Uh, and every Saturday, its front door opens into a fantasy world. Ah. And so every episode has, focuses on two different characters from this fantasy world who have a problem, walk in t- to this restaurant, usually for the first time, have a dish that is very simple but is the most amazing thing they've ever tasted, and their problem is solved. So, like, 
marriage disputes uh, or like property disputes. In kind in of? one case, a prisoner is imprisoned and has to win one hundred gladiator battles in order to earn his freedom, and he has a dish which gives him the strength to fight. That's pretty cool. Or like. <laughs> being exiled alone and and to to a to a summer home to recover from an illness and having the food that you had as a child that gives you the strength <laughs> to continue on it's incredibly low stakes yeah yeah and ridiculous in the sense of how wonderful these people find these foods and how lovingly they describe them yeah and it's just very kind and cheery and everyone's nice to each other. Um, it's There's some fan service, but that's about the only thing I'm, I would say to warn people away. Like, you know, there's a sexy dragon lady and stuff, but it's not like... Dragons are cool. Things don't jiggle. Um, so it's it's certainly on anime terms, it's, it's relatively tame. And it's just kind and enriching. It's not interesting... Like, yeah. I'm kind of interested in little details about the world and how this works or how this works. Um, there are dragons. That's cool. Yeah. But, like, it's it's a show for if you're feeling anxious and stressed mm-hmm. and you want to just watch some people eat tasty-looking food and feel good about it. I was going to say, be really happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very pleasant. Nothing wrong with that. What have you been inspired by lately? <sighs> this was tough for me. I haven't been watching much television or reading many new books at the moment um and you've been busy with kind of a shift at work and yeah yeah sort of stuff a and temporary promotion at work so that's <laughs> that's taking up lots of mind space but one thing i do have time for is reading my push notifications from twitter mm. um, i think i've talked before about how i use twitter weirdly yes um, you only view push notifications i pretty much only view push notifications for the select people i have and who i recently added uh to my list is a person who will fill up my twitter notifications mm-hmm. which androids stop at collecting 49 in a stack um and this is uh alexandra aaron who is at alexandra aaron on twitter and she is an author um i follow authors whose books i haven't read so that's yeah. that's not cool of me to give them money but what she does is she she tweets mostly politically, and she I don't know she's just really smart. So whenever uh, often it's Trump, American politics, right? There's a whole mm-hmm. lot of it going on every day. <laughs> <laughs> it seems more and more every day. There's a ridiculous density of American politics happening uh, these last seven months. Uh, she's really quick with um, providing good analyses of things like speeches and. Um, historical context for things. So she will often know who the speechwriter is of something that uh. Trump did and where Trump deviated. Um, and it's not necessary. I mean, it's not like world changing yeah, stuff. It's, it's pundit stuff. It's pundit stuff. I mean, it, okay, so it definitely takes a liberal stance. I, I will make right, no sure. bones. It, like, yeah. this is not like some sort of like search for neutrality, but it's not cruel. Yeah. She's not calling people idiots that I've noticed. Um, she's, you know, she's not denigrating people. She's not, she is mocking of the shenanigans going on right now. But I don't know, there's, there's an approach to it that's, that's very readable. And I learn something every time. She will often tie in larger concepts of politics design or game theory, or here's where this thing comes from and why the 
trotting it out right now and yeah especially when things are stressful and confusing and Mm -hmm. and overwhelming Mm -hmm. it's often useful to have like a framework to put it on to to kind of to reduce the uncertainty and to go oh hey that's a possible explanation even if that might not be always the right one exactly like that helps me go okay no this this could have a reason for happening. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I find myself gravitating towards that quite a bit in politics since the election. Um, so I listen to a lot of the 538 political mm-hmm. podcast um, where they have statisticians and historians and political scientists, like people who are kind of rooted in the reality and the context of what is happening politically so that it, not everything is just the fire of the day. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm just really kind of soaking that up and enjoying it. And it's, um, in some ways, I'm getting more news than I have ever read or than I have read for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but it's also not particularly anxiety-inducing um, because I read something on WAPO and then I either have learned the context at this point mm-hmm. or can put it in context relatively easily. So, yeah, that's. I think yeah. it's inspiring. Cool. So we, we reviewed... Uh... A few of the different topics or, or techniques that have come up often over the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about meta conversations, just zooming out and looking at the wider conflict that one situation is a specific part of. Yep. We talked about politeness and kindness and sort of the power dynamics of that and being careful and knowing when you are upholding existing power structures. Um, and the consequences of upholding or tearing down those. Yeah. And then I think one big thing that's come up again and again is make sure that you reflect on yourself when you have a problem and figure out what it is you're feeling, what your actual problem actually is, and why you feel that way. Mm. Because often the difficulties that we have with being compassionate towards other people is because we're kind of tied up and knotted up in something that we don't understand. Mm-hmm, exactly. So yeah, I wonder what we're going to talk about over the next year or so. <laughs> we'll find out. Thank you for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R dot net. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast, and we greatly appreciate likes and follows. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Your sharing is the best way for us to expand our audience. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found on Twitter at AveryMD. And together we run a video game studio called Future Proof Games, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.